Listening Dog Media. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Offside Rule. We get it. Brought to you by a Wolves fan, a Manchester United fan and a Liverpool fan. Hello and welcome to episode two of season three of The Offside Rule. We get it. Supported by Continental UK. We're back, folks, enjoying, well, not really enjoying a rainy bank holiday Monday, but what better way to spend it than with our good chums together recording another episode for your listening pleasure. Today, Lindsay Hooper and Hayley McQueen. And by way of introduction, ladies, I'd like to know... What manager you're feeling like today? Because this could be a good indicator as to what we're going to get from you. Well, I'm feeling very much like a Tony Pulis character today because I'm feeling like I want a bit of time out. It's Bank Holiday Monday. I've got my parents coming down. I'd like to be in the Middle East, to be quite honest, having a bit of sunshine, uh, ruling myself out of other work. But it will be back to the drawing board tomorrow. Um, but it, but it's, it's going to be some time out for me. Are you angry? Uh, I could do a bit of pointing later when my dad's fitting my washing machine for me. <laughs> We're sat in Lindsay's flat here, awaiting the arrival of her parents who are going to fit a washing machine. This is all <laughs> media rock and roll, isn't it, Hayley McQueen? But who are you feeling like today? I'm going to go for Louis van Gaal. Okay. Oh, Even as a Manchester United fan, I'm going to stick with him. I know it's probably stating the obvious because I'm feeling very defeated. I'm a little bit down. I'm worn out. I'm on burnout. I'm going into work on a bank holiday Monday. I've been at Leeds Festival all weekend. That is why I'm feeling a little bit uh, jaded. It was brilliant. I had a fantastic time, uh, but I'm absolutely shattered. I've still got mud underneath my fingernails. That's just not nice at all. Yeah. Don't you get touching those expensive touchscreens with those fingers. Exactly. I won't ask why there's mud under your fingernails. <laughs> Just dig the hole for the tent, why don't you? Uh, that's how we're feeling today. Oh, me, I'm, I'm feeling Roy Evans today. Oh. The excellent, yeah, very, very affable, very, very easygoing, person of the people, oh. not, a, not a great man of discipline, but one of the lads. Do you know what I mean? OK, let's tell you what's coming up in the podcast today. What a waste of money. 
Uh, Manchester United are going to have to break the English transfer record if they're to bring the much-needed Angel Di Maria into the team. But is he going to be worth it? A lot of teams have spent big bucks and it's paid off, but a lot of teams have spent big bucks and it hasn't. So we're going to look at a couple of instances of each. Making the commentator curse. Lots of new arrivals in the leagues uh, this season, some of which we have been able to get our heads around the names and some of which we haven't. Some hilarious slip-ups today and some names that have genuinely foiled us. We have also got plenty of guests coming up for you. England women head coach Mark Sampson's joining us for a quick chat. We've got Sue Smith with her WSL update. Sean Thorne with Twitter topic of the week. Oh my God, it's busy today. We've also got Kate Partridge summing up the Bundesliga for us as well. Let's get started and get straight in to topic one, Championship Crystal Ball. Now the Championship's really hotting up, isn't it, after four games in. So I'm going to get you ladies to put your predictive powers to good use. Fulham, they're having a terrible time. Bottom of the league, things aren't good there at all, are they? Um, Derby County winning against them. Norwich, they survived uh, the Tractor Derby, as it's known, to beat Ipswich and Nottingham Forest. Thrash Reading to go top of the table. So lots of exciting stuff to talk about. I would like from you, please, ladies, uh, one promotion pusher and one relegation wrangler. Now, in the true tradition of this podcast, I'm going to head to Hayley McQueen first. Goodness me. Okay. The competitive nature of the championship last season and the season before just summed up how tight and close that it is. And I think it's going to go right down to the wire again because so many unexpected results. You've got Charlton and Sheffield Wednesday still haven't lost despite Norwich and Wolves and Watford all above them as well. So they haven't lost games, but they're sitting below them in the table. A little bit surprised at the other end. I'm very surprised by Bolton, Fulham and Leeds. Three really strong teams in the championship. They're not doing well. Who do I think will be promoted I am going to go for Watford and I'm going to go for them to actually win the championship I think Wolves Lindsay will be up there yep and I think Middlesbrough too I think this could be Middlesbrough season where they finally get to the playoffs with Aita Karanka doing well there and I think Charlton are going to have a good season but with Vidra back at Vicarage Road as well and they've got Juan Carlos Paredes which um, I think is a really promising uh, player an Ecuador international um they had a blip, yes. They lost 3-0 to Norwich. It was a really, really bad um, defeat. Only defeat of the season so far in the league. But however, Watford were actually down to 10 men after two minutes. So maybe just kind of forgetting that one. However, they beat Bolton on the opening day. They, they beat Rotherham as well. You'd expect them to do that. But they have had a, a decent start to life in the championship there. Um, they had 21 shots at goal, so I'm expecting lots of mm. goals coming from Watford. Uh, obviously, not many of them were on target, and um, the keeper at the other end didn't have to do too much. However, with um, Forestieri and Troy Deeney, I think they've got some real firepower there, and I think I'm quite excited to see Watford maybe back in um, the Premier League. It's certainly been a good time coming, hasn't it? So let's hope they do it. Lindsay Hooper. Now, the problem is, OK, <laughs> with this topic, now that Wolves are... A championship team. They might just end up creeping into our podcast for more than just depressing reasons. It was only one season away. Come on. <laughs> where most of our time has been in the championship. Um, I am going to be predictable with this and I am going to go for the mighty Wolverhampton Wanderers uh, because you were saying you were saying promotion pushers. Yes. And I think we will be pushing for promotion. I don't think we're going to get an automatic spot, but I think we will be going for the playoffs. Um, from what I've seen of Wolves, I, I'm really impressed 
impressed with how organised Kenny Jackett has got us playing. Now, I don't particularly think that we've got many flair players. I think Bakary Sacco probably is the standout you might have seen against uh, against Fulham, um, the, the effort where he, he nearly scored from the corner, corner kick. Um, but I actually think that apart from that aside, it's the discipline... It's going about the business. It's football at its sort of rawest and leanest and youngest. You know, some real good young talent coming through. And our academy is doing really well. So I think we'll just tick along, tick along. We might we might steadily drop a little bit at the moment. We're fourth in the table as it stands. And I, I don't think we're going to stay in those dizzying heights. I think we'll probably be round about the seventh to eighth position and then make a final surge uh, towards the playoffs. That's what I'm hoping anyway. So I am going to be predictable. I'm going to go for my team and I'm going to say that Wolves will be going for promotion. Well, Southampton can do it then maybe. So can Wolves. Um, I'm going to get everyone to keep their eye on Sammy Huppier at Brighton. Brighton are one of those teams, a bit like Watford, that they push for promotion on a regular basis they started off not great in the championship the first two games were defeats but they've won the last two and that's a lot about the fact that he's had to bring in some new players and those players are taking time to bed in Hippias also and of course there is no allegiance on my behalf him being a a ex-Liverpool player but anyway I I find him very interesting because he's trying to change you know and Brighton have always had that very possession style football Um, Oscar Garcia really endorsed that Um, and I think Hoppy is going to stick with that, but I think he wants to get more use out of the possession. You know, it's a bit like Barcelona. There's no point having all that possession if you're not going to do anything with it. I think he also wants to speed up what's happening between the defence and the attack on the team and make that happen quicker. You've got you've got me roused now. <laughs> Hang on. What? <laughs> let me let me just make this clear. Um, one of my pet hates at the moment, and I was watching um, Sky Sports and Gary Neville was saying about this too, is this passing sideways. It's driving me mad. Where is the intent? Where's the driving forward nowadays? And those are the sorts of sides I want to see. Brighton last season were famous for going forward, for challenging. And um, Zhao Tashir has shown that he wants to take on players on loan from Liverpool. I thought he had a great couple mm. of uh, of games for them. Great home debut scoring. So... I, I really hope that they are one of the sides, a little bit like Watford, who Hayley tips, who are going to be going forwards and pushing forwards more. My only concern when I did tip Wolves is I don't think we do that enough. I think we go sideways too much. If you're talking exciting football, I would definitely look at Brighton. Sammy Huppier, well, this is his first time managing in the English leagues. We know he's had loads of experience in the Premier League with Liverpool. I like what he brings to the team. I think he's made some clever signings. Tashira is one of them. He's also, of course, uh, got David Stockdale there. He's signed ex-Fulham defender Aaron Hughes. Very experienced. He lost Matty Upson. But yeah, I like it. And I think I will enjoy the football that Brighton are going to produce this season. Let's have a general chat about who we're going to tip to go down. Because I know that there's one team that all of us have mentioned when we've been having a quick chat about this before the record and that's Blackpool. Oh, it's, it's a real shame, isn't it? But at the moment, really just complete threadbare uh, squad. And I think the manager at the moment, uh, Jose Rica or Jose, who knows? We'll discuss that later <laughs> on in our pronunciation problems. Um, it's just buying players and not really assembling a squad. That's a real problem. And he said himself in pre-season, they had no friendly games, no team, no preparation. He said this is one of the biggest challenges of his life. I mean, pff, they were top in the early part of last season absolute disaster from there on in and, and really kind of crashed and burned towards the end uh, very nearly relegated of course but um, they've let 25 players leave the club there is nobody there I think it's 27 actually oh, they lost 27 players after last season wow 
The only thing that I would add to it is that I feel that there's a real hit of the panic button. So players that are coming in, it's not because they're well thought out. It's not because they're targets per se. It's because we need players in, like you're saying. And that, I think, is going to be their undoing because trying to assemble a team in that fashion um, very rarely works. They've not got terrible players there, but what I'm really concerned about is the relationship between Chairman Carl Oyston and Jose Riga because it seems to be even now beyond repair. They had a big bust-up pre-season which, um, where Riga was really upset about what was going on with the transfer targets and what was happening there. And because of that, they cancelled a pre-season tour of Spain. Oyston came out and called Riga a sensitive human being. He's quoted as saying that, now, if you're a manager desperately trying to bring a club up and trying to motivate them, you don't want to be called a sensitive human being. It's a bit of an odd thing to say. And talking about sensitive human beings, <laughs> another one to throw in the mix, Felix Magat. Oh, he yeah. is a bit lovable. He's a bit like a granddad, isn't he? A granddad figure. I'm just ex- like really upset that he's changed his glasses. Those famous <laughs> glasses. The, the Penfold look is now yeah. gone. He's, he's now the glasses have gone. It's like, where are you, Felix? He's just as dull as dishwater, isn't he? He doesn't inspire me. Do we think that what happened to Wolves can happen to Fulham? That I was going to ask. Yeah. yeah, can they do the double drop? Mm. I, I really hope not because it is a lovely club. It's a really nice club to go and do press conferences at. Lindsay, you guys will know this as well and it will be such a shame but by goodness me they've got to swallow their ego get rid of McGat and get someone else in my word of warning as a Wolves fan is it doesn't matter the size of the club it doesn't matter how great the infrastructure is if if it's going to happen it could happen and don't think that you're too big for it to happen so I would issue that word of warning to the owners okay well let's move on from that nightmare shall we ladies and uh, head over to Sue Smith who's got our WSL update after a couple of weeks off hello Sue Hi, I'm Phil Thompson and you're listening to The Offside Rule. Hi everyone, here's my weekly roundup of women's football. I'm going to start with England as they've been in such great form of late. I watched them against Sweden earlier on this month in a friendly where they easily won the game 4-0. It wasn't necessarily the result that I was impressed with, but their performance. They completely outplayed one of the best teams in the world. Last week they played Wales in a World Cup qualifier where they needed only one point to qualify. The girls could have quite easily gone into this game a little bit complacent. However, this was by no means the case. You could tell from minute one they didn't just want a point, they wanted all three. And that's exactly what they got. England come away 4-0 winners. Leanne Sanderson, Eniola Luco, Kaz Carney and Laura Bassett, the goal scorers. I've got to say, I was especially pleased for my ex Rumi Bass to score. She worked so hard both on and off the field, so it was really nice to see her reap the rewards. Moving on to WSL1, Everton played Bristol on Saturday night and it sounded like a really exciting game with lots of top quality goals. The game finished 5-2. This is Everton's sixth loss in the league and it keeps them five points off seventh place. I do say I do feel sorry for them as the performances haven't necessarily reflected the results. Arsenal walked away with all three points following their convincing win against Man City. The game ended 4-0 and for me it's no coincidence that Arsenal's turn of form seems to be since Jordan Nobbs' return from injury. She scored a fantastic goal in this game and it just just seems to be that when she plays she lifts her team. The game everyone wanted to watch was top of the table clash between Chelsea and Birmingham. Chelsea winning this game 3-1. And this is just another twist. Who will win WSL 1 this year? It just keeps it really exciting. Lastly, just a little bit on WSL 2. 
Sunderland, who were currently top of the table, played Reading, who were third place. So and we all knew that this was going to be a, a really tough and exciting game. With the in-form Reading and England striker Frank Kirby playing, anything could happen. And she actually opened the scoring, but Sunderland managed to get an equaliser in the second half. So the game finished one all. Got to say a little bit about my team, Doncaster Bells. We managed to beat Oxford at the weekend 5-1. And our new signing, Courtney Sweetnam-Kirk, scored a hat-trick. So hopefully she can keep up that good form for our next game, which is actually red in a way. So this is going to be really tough for us. So it's actually it's keeping WSL 2 as exciting as WSL 1. OK, that's all from me. See you all next week. Thanks very much to Sue. Now, a bit of a women's football update from us as well. An interview with the England women head coach, Mark Sampson. Uh, he's uh, had a chat to Lindsay about England's qualification for Canada 2015 and much more. Hi, I'm Matt Letissier, and you're listening to The Offside Rule, three girls talking about football. So you're going to have to excuse me if I'm a bit out of breath, um, because I've done an hour under your tutorship, Mark Sampson. Uh, thank you for that. That was a, a good workout. Yeah, it looked a good workout, looking at the, uh, the players' faces at the moment. But uh, no, it was good fun, nice for the, um, for the media guys to, to have a little go and, and see what the players experience, and, and for us as well to, to come together in a slightly different environment, a bit more relaxed, a bit more fun. So hopefully everyone had a good time. We'll get to the business, though, the business end. It's been quite a summer for you. Uh, last week, confirmed, you're in Canada. You're going to be taking England women out there. Uh, what a brilliant campaign as well. Um, so many goals scored. You must be delighted. Obviously, we're, we're pleased with not only the, the results and, and the way in which you qualify, but from my perspective, the, the quality of the performances have been there and the application of the players. You know, all we asked them from the start was to every game give their all and, and try and do the things we've been asking to do. And you know, the progressions we've seen are really, really pleasing from a, from a manager's point of view. And, and I'm obviously delighted and proud of the players that they've managed to, to obviously score so many goals and, and, and only concede one, which, you know, you look at that record in the history of World Cup qualification, it's, it's still a fantastic record and something that we're all very proud of. We've seen that you've brought some new faces into the squad and they've got a chance now to bed in. You've got a friendly with Germany. In fact, it's, that's a two-legged friendly, isn't it? So what can we expect from the World Cup? What are you thinking England will do out in Canada? Well, for us at the moment, we've, we've got to make sure we do all the right things to give ourselves a chance. Um, you know, we, we knew stage one was to qualify, but to make sure we started building the blocks for the tournament a long, long time ago. And, and that's been the case since day one, to make sure that the, the attitude and the application has been correct and the mentality amongst the group has been of the absolute highest standard. And we've made sure we've, we've maintained those standards. And now we've got to keep doing that because it's not about when we get to Canada turning it on. We've got to make sure we're doing our best every single day between now and the start of the tournament to be competitive with you know, what's going to be a, a great tournament because you know, the standard of the game is going up and up. We've got some incredibly good opponents who we're going to come up against. And you know, to be competitive with those type of teams and players, you've got to be your best and you've got to make sure you give yourself a chance by doing your best every single day. Now, I don't want to pile the pressure on here, but famously Claire Balding said that England women would win the World Cup before England men do. Is that something you believe? Not necessarily for next year, but do you think they will? Well, if we didn't have belief that we could win at all, we wouldn't be going. And you know, we, we, we have got belief in this group of players that you know, if we get things things right and we get things spot on, then you know, we can beat anyone in the, in the world. And you know, it's going to be a huge challenge, we know that. You know, no one's going to go to a tournament and, and let you win a football match. Or if you're not at your best, you're not going to do anything. We've, we've got to make sure that we've got a, a strong, together, fully fit group who, who can go there, really give it their best shot. And you know, if they get things right, then I do believe they can win a tournament. And after what you've seen today, can I cut up the half-time oranges? 
Yeah, I, th- I thought you could have mentioned playing right for that. <laughs> but now there's some space to us on the bench, so I'm sure we've got some uh, some peelers and some oranges ready to go. Oh, I'm really good at peeling. I'm really good at peeling. Thank you very much. No, thank you. Thanks. Great to hear from Mark Sampson. Let's truck on with topic two and some quick fire answers here, ladies. What a waste of money. What a waste of money. At Man United, well, they're going to have to break the English transfer record if they're to bring Di Maria into the club. Uh, but spending big bucks doesn't always pay off, does it? As we know from some of our clothing investments over the years, ladies. <laughs> and footwear, particularly footwear, actually. Um, I want an example of a record-breaking transfer that has been worth every penny and one that hasn't any country, any league. Lindsay. Oh, um, OK, I'm going to go... That means I can go for the really, really obvious, can't I? Um, I'm going to go Cristiano Ronaldo from Manchester United to Real Madrid. Um, that big money move was £80 million, which actually, when we're saying it now, seeming as it was quite a few years ago, was a hugely expensive transfer, but I think he's been worth every single penny. Um, I mean, let's just go over a little bit of his career. He scored 33 goals in 35 games in his day debut opening season at Real Madrid. 2010-11, he was the La Liga top scorer, 40 goals in 34 games. He scored the winning goal against Real Madrid's uh, rivals Barcelona in the Copa del Rey final. Uh, It keeps going on because in the next season, he won the Premier Division title with Real, netted uh, 46 goals in 38 games, which is brilliant. In any other year, I think that probably would have won you the Ballon d'Or, but a certain man called Messi got 73 goals. Um, Yeah, and, and, and but rather than sort of dwelling on that, he picked himself up. He went on another season, the season later. Um, he put in some brilliant performances. You might remember as well for Portugal, that vital 3-2 World Cup qualifier win uh, against Sweden. He, he needed that for that playoff victory. Brilliant. Um, he got a second Ballon d'Or that year. It just kept getting better and better, culminating, I think, last season. The, the big stat for Ronaldo, wasn't it, was Champions League record number of goals, 17 goals, uh, as Madrid also ended up lifting the European Cup. He continues to deliver. He's been worth every single penny of that £80 million. And you know what? If he was to renegotiate now, he probably considers he's at the biggest club with the biggest players. But if there was a swoop from PSG or someone like that, I think we're looking over £100 million, aren't we? Wow. I know we are. I tell you what, Gareth Bale... We were all a little bit worried that he might not live up to expectation. And my goodness, he, he absolutely has. He had a little bit of a wobble, didn't he, at one stage, just settling in. And he, he almost start, he's starting to look like Ronaldo. He's kind of bulked up, <laughs> the hair's long, he's got the hair banded. It's like, it's a whole different, he's a man now and he left a boy. We're just missing a small pair of pink shorts and a flower in his hair, aren't yeah. we? That's it. OK, one man who we'll probably never see with a pink flower in his hair and pink shorts, Christian Vieira. Back in 2000, he was actually the most expensive signing at the time in World Football Inter. They purchased him from Lazio. Um, they bought him for around about €40 million, Euros, which was... Uh, a really big transfer that pretty much shook the football world. It made headlines. Um, £32 million it actually was. Um, He went on and enjoyed six successful years at the club. Okay, he left um, and his contract was terminated after signing a five-year deal when he joined um, because of injuries and trouble. But I tell you what, they got their money's worth from him. He's also known as Bobo. I probably wouldn't know who you were talking about. I'd be like, okay, Vieira, we all know that. Yeah, he scored 104 goals in 143 uh, appearances in the league uh, for the Nerazzurri. He was one of the most feared number nines in the world and I think they got... Uh, everything that they wanted and more when they spent the big bucks for him and he's gone down as a legend in the game. Um, 
Good value. I've gone for Zinedine Zidane. He uh, cost Real Madrid £45 million back in July 2001, was at the club until 2006, making 155 appearances. But his contribution to the team is without doubt. Remember, he was, uh, well, in fact, it was a world record fee. So if we're talking, you know, spending huge amounts of money, a world record £45 million when he arrived at the club. When he got there, well, he scored that wonderful goal. He's so famous for this in the Champions League final in 2002 against Bayer Leverkusen with his week of so that was, you know, certainly worth a good deal of that £45 million. The next season, Real Madrid won La Liga. He was voted FIFA World Player of the Year for the third time. Not so many highlights in the latter part of his Real Madrid career, but I think he paid back his money in the first two seasons. So he, for me, goes down as astonishing value. And actually, it's just a quick one to chuck in. Rio Ferdinand, £30.5 million. That was a record-breaking amount of money at that time. But considering he arrived at Manchester United in February 2002, only just left, I think that was terrific value oh, for yeah. money really good shout. good shout let's go to bad value for money and we'll keep this brief ladies who do you think has been a right or waste of money Haley? okay well my player plays for manchester united maybe not for much longer and was an app he's ha- he has been a flop okay about his hair is about the only thing that is exciting <laughs> about this player it is marouane fellaini it was a year ago actually not even a year that fellaini signed for manchester united linking back up with his former manager who loved him so david moyes they still love each other nominating each other <laughs> playfully in the ice bucket challenge they still have a friend each and that's good to know but he signed for 27.5 million pounds it really was a last second deal on deadline day it was really exciting but he's just been a flop he's been like a, a bit of a Torres, a bit of a Stuart Downing, a bit of an Andy Carroll, expecting so much and doing great things at one club, and then suddenly, for whatever reason, just not working, you know, just, just not making it. For years, I did watch Fellaini at Everton and just thought he was brilliant, but he just didn't work at Manchester United. I do think it's really, really sad that he has been a bit of a flop. I don't know what's happened. Explain. <laughs> I don't think anyone can explain. We'd like Marouane to explain, wouldn't we? Um, I'm going to go for a Tottenham player who's still in the Tottenham squad at the moment. Um, moved for £26 million at uh, the beginning of last season. I'm going for Roberto Saldado. <clears throat> and the reason why I'm going for him is that I think he's really failed to deliver but from observing him um, against uh, West Ham at Upton Park in the opening game of the season I think he's a little too preoccupied with his hair <laughs> and how he looks and then after the match he was wandering around in a towel an awful lot. I can't believe that, what was he doing in a towel? Like, not obviously within the dressing room area, fair enough, but didn't, was, he, was, he was having a little wander around outside the dressing room area. Yeah, he's walking down to the pitch in his towel and walking up and down and I don't know whether it's <laughs> because... He wanted to show off his body, probably. What's going um, on? And he was pruning his hair a lot. So if you actually look at the at the rushes um, of that game and you see the, the bench shots, I promise you on a few occasions you would spot Soldado checking his hair out. Mm. More touches to his hair than actually on the ball. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, I think he's been quite the flop. I think Eric Lamella will come good this season. Yeah. I think he was one of the big money moves that maybe was under his his potential last season. I think he'll come good. I don't think Saldado will. Lamella was great at the weekend, actually. Um, who do I think's been a bit of a floppity flop? 
Jolien Lescott. It's a sad tale, this, actually, and I'm sorry to be telling it. £24 million to City in 2009, 107 appearances in five seasons. That's not great. But when you look at sort of amount per appearance and then you look at someone like Zabaleta playing uh, on the opposite side, he was bought for around £6.5 million by Manchester City. So when you look at the comparison, Jolien Lescott, it's just been a really sorry tale and very poor value. Some of that's got to do with him, but a lot of it's got to do with the kind of management there. And I would put it to you, I mean, I am bringing up, aren't I, Fantasy League football again. Um, But if you had the option last season for the same money of buying Lescott or buying Ivanovic, of course you would go for Ivanovic every day of the week. All right, well, good bits of money, bad bits of money. Let's go to a man who's always on the money, Sean Thorne, with Twitter Topic of the Week. Twitter Topic of the Week. And very nice it is, too, to be back on the Offside Rule podcast for Twitter Topic of the Week. Now, this week's uh, debate was sparked by Samuel Luckhurst, a sports uh, reporter from the Huffington Post, who, on the back of uh, United's draw with Sunderland, uh, said that Rooney was diabolical again today, early days, but not convinced making him captain was wise. So the topic this week has been leading by example. Who do you think were the best and worst captains. Now, Henrik Nielsen, he's gone for John McGovern for captaining Nottingham Forest to the European Cup twice. Uh, Mark O'Neill is said probably the pick of the, if his captains is Vincent Company. But going back over the years, he'd go for Gary Mabbott and Tony Adams. Now, a few of you have gone for Tony Adams here. Irish Red's gone for uh, the former Arsenal centre-half and also thrown in Roy Keane, Patrick Vieira and John Terry. A few of you as well going for Brian Robson. Alex Wormel saying he was utterly inspirational while Neil said that Brian Robson was his hero growing up, a proper leader on the pitch. Now, Taylor and Bestie, uh, they've gone for a captain who they didn't think was much cop, and they've gone for Jeremy as a time when he held the armband for Newcastle United at the mobility of an Ikea wardrobe. That lad, according to Taylor and Betsy. Not known for his pace, was old Jeremy. And finally, Holly Allen is gone for Crystal Palace's Jednak. A true captain's performance week in and week out. Doesn't always get the credit he deserves, but plays a very important part at Palace. That's all for Twitter Topic of the Week this week. I've been Sean Thorne and I will hand you back to the girls. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Sean. Now our final topic, making the commentator curse. There have been, do you know what, more than ever, I think, and I don't know whether it's just me, but I think there have been more hard to pronounce or more mystifying pronunciations uh, in terms of new arrivals in the leagues this season than ever before. So uh, a few quickfire examples of pronunciations that have taken you by surprise. Let's go to Lindsay. This is a really, well, one that's taken John Motson by surprise, I think, because <laughs> everything takes John Motson by surprise. <laughs> Um, I was just watching Match of the Day and I I thought it was an interesting pronunciation. Now, I haven't taken in what he said because what I do is if I hear something that I think is pronounced incorrectly, I try not to let it filter into my brain. But I know he was calling Cabela for Newcastle by a completely different (laughs) pronunciation. Um, So a few people might have picked up on that when they were watching the highlights over the weekend. Um, There's there's lots and lots that we could go into, isn't there? I mean, I've had my own difficulties when you're reporting live as well. And sometimes you you just think, well, what do I say here? Um, there was actually um, a, a player in the in the Millwall team because I did Millwall Rotherham at the weekend for final score and five live and a, a guy that equalised very last minute against Sheffield Wednesday um, has the last name um, 
um, and it's meant to pronounce be pronounced because I checked with the the staff there, gay, but everyone's calling him gay. Oh no! <laughs> Dear. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's one of them. I, I think that there's so many uh, sort of Spanish or Portuguese variations. It's like you brought that up. Do we say Jose? Do we say Jose? Um, I think generally speaking, we can work that out now by yeah. just knowing where they've come from. Yeah. Um, there aren't many that sort of take us by surprise there. Um, there's ones that are difficult to say as well as pronunciations like uh, Billy Cadet. <laughs> I'm trying to say Billy Dinny. Billy, Billy, Billy Ettenov. <laughs> Din- is it Dinyar Billy Ettenov? Yes. Like yes. Oh I always hated that. And because I haven't said that for a while, because when he was constantly in the Everton squad, you, you always had your mouth around it. But now he's got it again. Of course, I'm struggling with that. Um, so there's, there's loads, loads and loads. Um, I know that Hayley's got a great list. I've got a list of just funny names. The thing is, when you're reading as well out loud and you've got the auto cue that pops up and something might happen and you don't get the chance to read ahead from a script because something is literally happening as you're about to say it and that look of fear <laughs> on your face when you see loads of Zs and Vs and Ws in a name and you just think, where are they from? The Ukraine, Russia, are they, are they Greek? As long as you know their origin, you can pretty much kind of get there or nearabouts. But normally I just go, oh, the um, skillful winger. <laughs> or just try and get away with it Something like that, or maybe don't use a Christian name if their surname yes. is is tough enough, and just just knock off that first yeah. name. That is the ultimate get out, isn't it? <laughs> if you can avoid using a difficult Christian name, just plough into the surname. Yeah. I was looking up a list of funny names, or you have to keep a straight face because if football is serious. This is what they're called, okay? Norman Conquest. Yes, that's right. There was a player called Norman Conquest. Mark Deman, a Belgian player, currently playing right now. That's right. Peter Pander. I love this. It just sounds so fun. A German uh, footballer. Plays from Borussia Mönchengladbach. Danger Fourpence. Yes. We've you've met, him before, We have right? mentioned him on the pod and I actually Googled him and th- this little list came up. A couple of new arrivals that have surprised me. Eric I would call him dear for Tottenham, but he's dire, isn't he? Which which really got me. And then what I, what I would, who I would call, what I would say, uh, who I would call Bojan Kirkic is actually Boyan, isn't he? Even big ones like Louis van Gaal. Yes, that it's not Gaal. Okay, it's got a G on it, but he even said himself, deadpan down the camera and explained how to say his name to the in-house television channel MUTV, which we then ran on Sky for a laugh because James Cooper asked it and had a bit of a laugh and he went, Louis van Gaal. <laughs> and you thought he may have a laugh and go, ah, people get it wrong, but he was deadly serious. Oh. And then Mark Chapman on Match of the Day too keeps calling him Gaal. It's like, stop it. It's mystifying. Dare you get it wrong. Louis van Gaal. Uh, talking of Louis van Gaal, that's who Haley's feeling night today. Mm. Lindsay's got a touch of the Tony Pulises. I've got a touch of the Roy Evans. Let's head over to Kate Partridge. Goodness knows who she's feeling like today, but what she's talking about is Bundesliga. Kate. A new season's underway in the land of the world champions and it kicked off with a new record, almost literally. With only the second Bundesliga goal of his career, Bayer Leverkusen midfielder Karim Bellarabi scored the fastest goal in German top flight history after nine seconds, stunning the 80,000 at Borussia Dortmund. Dortmund, the injury hit hosts and sportily clad coach Jurgen Klopp. Perhaps Klopp is short for club shop. Well, anyway, Stefan Kiesling's injury timer confirmed Leverkusen's 2-0 victory under new coach Roger Schmidt and an early joint-top spot along with Hoffenheim, who also beat Augsburg 2-0. Pep Guardiola's Bayern began their title defence by holding off Wolfsburg to win Friday's traditional Champions League opener 2-1 in Munich. Twinkletoed Arjen Robin teed up Thomas Müller just before the break and then scored himself after it. 
The visitors pulled one back through by an old boy Ivica Olic's magnificent curler, but Junior Malandar squandered an utter sitter to level, missing an empty goal from a yard out. <laughs> Straight to YouTube. In contrast, Hanover's summer signing Hazelu netted a beauty on the run as his new side came back to win 2-1 at home to Schalke. His old side Eintracht Frankfurt were the weekend's other victors 1-0 over Freiburg. Elsewhere, Berlin drew 2-2 with Bremen, ditto new boys Paderborn against Mainz. Borussia Mönchengladbach's World Cup hero Christoph Kramer came off the bench to snatch a last-minute 1-1 draw at home to bogeyside Stuttgart, and Köln versus Hamburg was goalless. So, joy for Schmidt, relief for Pep and anger for Klopp. The Bundesliga is back. Thanks very much, Kate. It's a quick goodbye from us, folks. I've really enjoyed my rainy bank holiday Monday, sat in yeah. Lindsay's small but cosy living room. Oh, it is cosy. <laughs> I'm going to let uh, mum, dad and the dog in now. <laughs> <laughs> Typical bank holiday. Hayley, I hope you're starting to feel a little bit more upbeat than Louis van Gaal. As long as the press don't get to me, yeah, I'll be okay. <laughs> it's probably that ice bucket challenge, you know. Yeah. You'll be probably still freezing you after that. Her. I know, you can catch that on YouTube probably, can't you? Yeah, maybe by the next podcast we will have seen you two do your ice bucket challenge. Oh. Yeah. I don't think so. On that note, ice buckets ahoy. Thanks very much for listening, <laughs> folks. You can check us out on Audioboo, on iTunes, also our fantastic website, OffsideRulePodcast.com. Give us a follow on Twitter, at OffsideRulePod, and a like on Facebook, The Offside rule we'll see you soon bye the female take on football